Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We were riding home last night, uh, and um, we were playing a game that we play often, in which Eliza goes and she pulls up um, old, old, old country music songs to see if I know the names or the performers of them. And evidently, if you all remember closely to what she said last week, evidently she thought I needed some help on the sermon because she pulled up Mama Tried by Merle Haggard, which as you heard last Sunday was part of her pre-sermon preparation last week. So, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. First Peter chapter five, would you pray with me? We will walk by faith and not by sight. Your scriptures tell us, O Lord. by faith. Another hymn writer said, in faith I calmly rest. And Lord, we confess that sometimes walking by faith and resting in faith are difficult tasks. But Lord, we know that you enable us to do just that each day. And so, Lord, as we hear more of faith this morning, we pray that you would empower each of us to walk by faith. And that, it, Lord, as you do that, that we would hear your call to go ever deeper in our relationship with you. Bless me, O oh God, with the words that are needed for those who have gathered to hear from you today as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We often hear that the Bible has all the answers to all the questions we have in life. Such an assertion, though, I find is often used as a means to stifle or silence other questions and discussions. I find such an approach, such a statement, to be rather disingenuous as well, in part because I believe it pushes aside the fact that the Bible is full of questions. Questions posed by 
those like us who wrote the text, like the psalmist and Habakkuk, when they said, how long, O Lord, how long? How long will this dark night of my soul continue? How long, O Lord, will you allow injustice to reign on the earth? Questions posed by God. Questions such as, when he asked Jonah, do you have any right to be angry in Jonah chapter 4? Any right to be angry because I settled on mercy rather than vengeance for Nineveh as you desired? Questions like he said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, can these bones still live? Or to Amos in Amos 7 when he asked, do you, what do you see? Do you see the plumb line like I see the plumb line, Amos. Then there are questions that in some instances remain to this day hanging without an answer. Questions such as Jesus posed in Luke 18 when he asked, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Beloved, we cannot overlook the fact this morning The scriptures are full of questions. And despite the fact that I still feel uncomfortable saying that the Bible provides every answer to every possible question because of the reasons I just gave you, our text this morning does at the very least provide us a blueprint for ensuring that this generation, our generation's response to Jesus' question in Luke 18 about when the Son of Man returns in this generation, if he were to, would he find faith on the earth? We would be able to say yes, because our text shows us how to be rooted in faith. Much of our rooted series this Easter season has begun in actions and declarations that are not of our initiation. They are focused on what God has done for us, what he has called us to do as priests, what he has secured for us as an inheritance, what he has provided for us through grace. And to be sure, a similar assertion could be made about faith, but I do not want us to focus on that this morning because I desire to put each of us on the hook to take some responsibility for our rootedness. So where does faith start? Look at me at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Beloved, we must recognize that faith starts in humility. The humility that declares that we have made an absolute mess of our lives and that we stand in need of a Savior. A humility that places us not in our own steadfastness, but under God's hand, thereby abiding under the shadow of His hand where we stand in His steadfastness, where we stand in His power and in His strength and in His might. This is humility that can only come through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a humility that is drained of all our pride as we have to duck, if you will, 
to get under his hand. It's not very often that I have to duck anywhere. I'm way too short. I actually envy those people who have to duck down to get somewhere. But beloved, we all have to duck to get under God's hand. We all have to duck and, and get down under there in, in knowing that, that it's an act of humility to say, God, you know what, I, I'm, I really stink at being in control. I'm going to put myself under your care and your authority. Beloved, this morning, are you under God's hand? Are you under God's hand? You say, oh, yes. Oh, yes, Mark, long ago, I, I got under his hand. I'm glad, beloved. But, but are you there right now? Because you see, the rooting process is not a one-and-done thing. We can get under his hand, and then we can still be a good child of God. But as we all know, from time to time, we all like to poke out from underneath the cover, right? And place ourselves back into control. To say, well, God, I've got this. Don't worry about it. I'll handle it. Verse 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, very often we decide to get ourselves out from underneath his hand when we think that he's not at work. When we think that we that the, the situation is dire and we've got to step in and, and take control because something's got to happen. We got to make it happen. And so we we rush in and and we try to fix it ourselves. And what does that generally do? Well, it generally causes it to blow up even worse, right? It generally calls causes it to just get worse and worse and worse. Beloved, we would do well to remember that what we are facing this morning may be great, but God's care for us is greater. Did you see what it says here? Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. He cares. I love that old hymn, Does Jesus Care? Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched by my grief. Beloved, do you fully understand by being rooted in faith that God cares for you today? That God is always moving in your life to make things better. He is always moving you and the circumstances around you so that all things work together for your good. Are you cognizant of the fact that where you have gotten thus far in life is not of your doing, but it is because God has cared for you. And you say, Mark, my life stinks. Well, guess what? It could be worse. I don't, I don't mean to sound depressing or pessimistic, but, but, you know, sometimes you just got to remember that yourself. It could be worse. 
Beloved, God cares for you. He cares so much for you that he sent his son to conquer everything so that he would be victorious over all things so that through him you too could be a victor and whatever you are facing that is keeping you up at night, he's in control. If, does God care for you? Yes, because he gives you the privilege of not having to worry about things because you can go to sleep. Why? Because he's up all night. God cares for you. And you find that out more and more when you are rooted in faith and knowing that as long as you stay under his hand, he's got everything tended to. But it's also important to remember to stay under his hand and to remember to cast all of your anxieties on him because it allows you to grow deeper and deeper in your faith, to become more and more rooted in God because understand something, there is an enemy out there who is looking continuously to take you out. Verse number eight, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Beloved, the enemy is out there always on the lookout, always on the lookout for how he can, can, can snatch you off. You say, Mark, nothing will ever take me out of the clutch of God's hand. You're right, beloved. But he can, but the enemy certainly can wreck you. The cer enemy certainly can attack you. The enemy certainly can maul you. And so it's important to remember that our task is to keep our eyes focused on God through casting those anxieties on Him. Because I find it interesting that not only does the word anxiety here in the text mean anxiety like we're all familiar with. Like, you know, the anxiety you take pills for and things like that. The word anxiety here also means distractions. Distractions. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then what is the very next thing he says? Be sober-minded, be watchful. Beloved, how watchful can you be if you're distracted, how watchful can you be with keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, if you are distracted? You ever seen somebody distracted driving? What they generally got? Well, generally they got the phone, right? They're trying to check Facebook while they're driving. And what are they doing? They're not paying attention to you. I wish I had a dollar for everybody who went past me this past week as I was sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire on their blessed phone. I certainly prayed for them a lot. I prayed that they wouldn't hit me. Why? Because they're distracted. Beloved, your distractions make you, and when you're focused on them, they make you vulnerable to attack. And we cannot allow ourselves to put ourselves up 
for attack by the lion. We must understand that even when we are filled with our own righteousness about a particular matter, it still means that we can get distracted by it if we're not focused on Jesus. And so we will miss what is directly in front of us because we are distracted. Notice also a further reason why you must be firmly rooted is that you must be able to resist when the enemy comes. And beloved, understand something. I said uh, when, not if. It doesn't say if. You will most assuredly face attack. You will most assuredly face attack. Every church will face attack from time to time. And you have to keep your eyes on the main thing and you must resist the temptation to be distracted and be firmly planted. Resist means to set against. To set against. Firm in your faith means to be immovable, solid, rigid. Best example I ever saw of this was my senior year at Carolina. We were playing University of Virginia in basketball. And uh, Virginia's little point guard was coming up the court and he was dribbling and about halfway up the court there stopped uh, Julius Peppers. I don't know if you all know who Julius Peppers is but he is a son of Nash County and he's a big old boy. He played for the Panthers. He's big. He ain't going nowhere. And when he gets firm he definitely ain't going nowhere. And so that point guard from Virginia he had a bowl of Wheaties that morning. He must have had three because he's going up to court and he thinks he's going to be able to draw a block on Julius Peppers who has stopped right at, at midcourt. And he's running up and he goes right for Julius and guess what happens? He falls on his behind. He literally bounced off Julius and they called a foul on him. Beloved, that's what it means to resist and be firm. That's what it means to be so firm in your faith that you are here and all hell may come against you, but what's it going to do? It's going to bounce back. It's not going to move you. You've got to be firmly rooted in it. Now understand something, there's one other point here in this, in this part of the text that tells us how we can be so firmly rooted. Did you notice there at the end that it says, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world? Beloved, we can be firm in our faith, not simply by what we do, but who we're with because we are in community, as we have seen previously in our look at First uh, Peter chapter 2, which we're build, being built into a spiritual building. When we are in community, 
our roots are able to, to grow down together. There's a, a guy named Peter Wobin. He's a German arborist. He was featured in Smithsonian Magazine a few years ago. And he talks about how old growth forests have trees that have roots so deep that they interconnect. And when a tree's close by each other, that if one of them were to die, they're so interconnected that the other tree beside it would die because they've learned to adapt and strengthen one another. Beloved, that's what church is. That's what church is for. It's a, to allow us to, to be rooted and to grow together in such a way that we can hold one another up, we can strengthen one another, we can help each other to be immovable, to be, to be rigid in our faith so that when the attacks come, we will be able to stand against them. I love the fact that we are able more and more to be all over everywhere with technology. But beloved, there is an important point that needs to be made. And that is you need to come together in the fellowship to be able to be strengthened. So that your roots can grow connected with other people. So that you understand, well, this one is suffering, but you know what? They're making it, so what I'm suffering from, I can make it too. This one's going through a lot, but you know what? We're all in this together, so I can help grow with it too. Let me tell you, Grove Park is a wonderful, 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 wonderful community. And I saw that this week for helping you to stand firm. I saw that this week in my own life. I've already referenced it, but on Wednesday, I had what, well, for me, uh, was an almost a near-death experience because I had a flat tire on 85, and I was on part of 85 where I could just barely get off the road, and, and so all these people came past me on Facebook, Twitter, and everything else at 900 miles an hour, and my car was just going like this. Well, I couldn't change the tire and they couldn't change the tire because somebody's going to get hit. So they, they put me on the back of a tow truck and I just decided I'd take a picture and put it on Facebook. So I took a picture, I put it on Facebook and I said, well, beloved, how's your day going? Well, that's all I did was take that picture. Well, they carried me to the dealership. I had to get, the, the, get all that worked out and, and then Vicky come and got me and and, and I got here, and I had stuff when I got here, and I had to go somewhere. So Bob uh, was going the same place I was, so he come got me, and I went and did that. And I got back, and by now it's approaching 2.30, uh, quarter to 3. And <clears throat> I walked in. I still hadn't picked up my phone. And, and Vicki says to me, she says, you probably need to put something on Facebook that you're okay. Why? Well, I pulled out my phone. I had all these text messages. Are you Okay. Are you okay? I had, I had Facebook messages. Are you okay? Are you okay? But he said, people have called to see if you're okay. You probably need to put out, it's just a flat tire. Beloved, that's community. That's what Grow Park's good at. We're good at a lot of things. But you know what I think? Was, it, we're the best secret in Alamance County. Because we got your back. We got your back. Are you okay? Are you okay? My mother hadn't even called me. 
she's watching, so I had to throw that line in. <laughs> Beloved, we are rooted. And you say, Mark, all this is, all this is good stuff. But you, you just got to hear me, Mark. I'm, I'm, I've been through a lot. I'm going through a lot. My roots are weary, and I'm a be about to be uprooted because the least little wind may blow me over. My ground is so saturated with cares and concerns and problems and troubles. I'm feeling a little shaky here in the wind. And if a line come up against me, Mark, I might not make it. Notice verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I could have preached the whole sermon on verses 10 and 11. Because notice what he says first. He says, after you have suffered a little while, in other words, by the way, just, just so you know, a little while means a set time. We might not know how long it's going to be, but God does. So after you have gone through some stuff, hear me, the God of all grace. Well, that right by itself will preach all day long. Why? Because that means that God is sufficient for whatever it is to make whatever is wrong in my life right. Because God has all the grace to do that. He has the persevering grace to do that. He has the redeeming grace to do that. He has the restrengthening grace to do that. He has the preserving grace to do that. He has all of the grace. And by the way, to borrow a line from my dear friend, John Wesley, he's got the grace beforehand called prevenient grace to get me where I need to go to get me through it. All grace means what? All. All. I don't know. You might want to parse the language here, but all means all. Which means that God can get me through anything, and even when I get through something, if it has knocked me and hit me and made me uh, infirm and has nearly uprooted me, God's got what I need on the other side. Number one, I didn't get blown over because he's given me the grace to get through. But now, on the other side, he's going to give me the grace to stay rooted. Why do I know that? Because it says here in the text, he himself. He's not going to send somebody else. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Restore means to make right like a broken bone. I don't know if you've ever had a broken bone. Sometimes fixing a broken bone hurts. I broke my ankle one time, and I was in the emergency room at Duke, and they had one guy on this arm, and they had one guy on this arm, and they had one guy holding my thigh, and then they had a fool at the end who yanked. And the fool at the end who yanked didn't get it the first time. That hurts just talking about it right now. But guess what? When it's set, it's set. 
It's not going to cause any problems. He says he's going to restore us. And that word also means he's going to complete what is lacking. Which means that if something got knocked out while I was going through the suffering and I'm missing it right now, he's going to fix it. He's going to put it back in place. He's going to fill that void with whatever is needed to keep me going. So what does that mean? It means that I'm whole. And not only does it mean that I'm whole, he says he's going to confirm. It means he's going to strengthen, in other words, to make solid, to fill all the gaps. And if I have any gaps that may be a little leaky, what's he going to fill them with? Strengthen. He will fill me with strength. Now, interesting enough, this is the only instance of this in the New Testament. It is found in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in the book of Job, which means to strengthen the strength of a lion. The strength of a lion. Now, we've already encountered a lion, but, but that lion is like a lion. The devil is like a roaring lion. He's not the lion because the lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to fill me with the strength of the lion. So what does that mean? It means that I, you know that verse that we misquote all the time? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means that the strength that of Christ can come in me and guess what? I'm going to be okay. Because he's going to restore and confirm and strengthen and then he's going to establish. You say, Mark, I'm like Rich Mullins said, I'm shaking like a leaf. Well, that, that word there, established, means to make stable. And it also means one other thing, which I find really interesting. It, it means to set as a foundation. So, in other words, all that stuff that you've gone through is he's going to build off on it and make you even better. He's going to build something upon you to make the whole realm of his glory shine brighter. And you say, Mark, it is rough. Guess what, beloved? He's going to take care of it. You got to do your part by staying rooted and growing stronger and growing down. So, beloved, are you rooted this morning? Are you rooted in faith this morning? I love how Peter ends it here in verse 11. He says, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter says, he has dominion over all this. If I needed to give you any other word, beloved, about why you can be rooted in faith and if you've gone through hell, you can keep on going, as the country song says. Why? Because he has dominion. Whatever you are facing in life, God has dominion. He's still in control. You might think it's spinning out of control, but God is still in control. God is still on his throne. He has not abdicated his reign. Beloved, you can hold firm in that. And because you know that he is going to reign, you know he is reigning. You know he's reigning right now. He will reign forever and ever and ever. You can say what? Amen. I believe. 
So I believe that I can be rooted in, as we have seen throughout this series, I can be rooted in my purpose. I can be rooted in hope. I can be rooted in freedom. I can be rooted in grace. And above all else, I can be rooted in faith. Because God is in control. And it all starts by humbling ourselves under his mighty hand and taking control from us and putting it in him. So, beloved, this morning, are you rooted? Are you rooted? Or are you wandering off in distractions? Distractions don't get you anywhere but off the road. But if you're following in his steps with your eyes focused on him, beloved, rooting will occur. Let us pray. Father, for those who are shaking this morning, help them to feel rooted. Help them to feel the fact that you have restored and are restoring and will restore and strengthen and confirm and establish them. Lord, help them to feel that you care for them and that they can cast everything upon you. Lord, if there's one here this morning who has not humbled themselves under your hand, never understood what it is to walk by faith in Jesus Christ, I pray this morning that they would do it. Because, Lord, it's a hard, tough world, and we'll never make it without you. So help us to do just that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.